In the midst of a storm right now, Pastor Ed Taylor says, don't lose sight of this. You need to remember this in your storm and in your difficulty, that no matter how you feel and how disorienting it is, Jesus is still praying for you, believer. He hasn't left you. You need to remember this. Because in the midst of difficulty, I'll tell you, you feel like, man, God has abandoned me. Where are you now? How is this even possible? But you've got to see here that Jesus sent him and let them be in the storm for a while. This is amazing grace. This is We all face difficulties and storms in life, but you might be surprised to find out that sometimes Jesus brings us into them. Why? We're about to find out as we offer more help for the troubled heart on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor will recall a time when Jesus sent the disciples into a storm. You can read about it in Acts 27, and Ed believes this falls into the category of a protecting storm. Here he is to explain what that's all about. Not only are there correcting storms and perfecting storms, but thirdly, there's the protecting storm. Protecting. This is what I believe the disciples are going through. A storm designed to keep them from something far worse. To get caught up in the frenzy. To doubt Jesus as the Savior of the world for their sins, not politically. And so he's separating them away to get them away from the masses. And the, you know how the hype gets when, there's, when a lot of people are doing something. It seems like everybody jumps in. And they're human as just as much as anyone else. And he's protecting them. And protecting storms are used to protect us from something that would surely hurt us, harm us, or destroy us. Especially when we can't see it in the moment. You know, sometimes a setback comes in your life. A serious one and a painful one. It might seem it's so huge and monumental and that you'll never recover. But in reality, it becomes the best thing that could have ever happened to you. Maybe you wouldn't have gotten that new job if you wouldn't have lost the previous one. Perhaps you'd never be involved in that brand new ministry that you're in had God not closed that door you were looking to in another place. Maybe you would have never found that special man or that special woman that the Lord had personally picked out for you if you had remained forever in that previous relationship that was so painful when you broke up. And what happens in these storms is we do exactly like the disciples. We fight the storm, and we row against the storm, and we push against it, and this can't possibly be from God, and this pain can't possibly be used by God, and I just don't see how it's possible. And what? It could be exactly what God has for you. Because sometimes Jesus sends us into a storm. There's a fourth kind of storm that I'd lay before you, and that's shared with us by Jesus himself, and that is this revealing storm. Now, I think all storms reveal, but sometimes there are specific things in life that are used by God to reveal the very foundation of your life. 
That's how Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 7. He gave us this parable of two guys that built houses. I get the picture of, you know, they're track houses, same neighborhood. You know, they look the same. They're painted the same. You wouldn't be able to tell the difference between them. If you were a realtor, you'd just like, hey, either one of them, pick which one. But then storms came. And the rains came and the winds came and the flood came. And the Bible says, Jesus says, they beat down on those houses. And one house stood and the other house was destroyed. And what was revealed through the storm? The foundation, what they built on. One guy built on rock and one guy thought he could get away with building on sand. And isn't it true? that God will allow things in your life to reveal your current foundation. That you can spend your whole life building and working and living life only to find out that you built on the wrong foundation. You thought you could get away with it, but we can't get away with it. How does Jesus describe that? He simply says this, anybody that hears my teachings and does them, you're building your house the right way. And anyone that hears my teachings and doesn't do them, it's like building your house on, a sand, on sand. And how will you know that Jesus is saying the truth when the storms of life come? Because if you've built your house and your life on sand, the storms of life will reveal that to you. You see, the disciples here, they're in a storm to, re, to build their faith, to be matured. It's getting harder and harder they're getting concerned. These well-worn fishermen, professional men on the sea have come to the end of themselves. And for hours, hour after hour after hour, they fight against the storm while Jesus is up on the mountainside praying for them. You need to remember this in your storm and in your difficulty that no matter how you feel and how disorienting it is, Jesus is still praying for you, believer. He hasn't left you. You need to remember this because in the midst of difficulty, I'll tell you, you feel like, man, God has abandoned me. Where are you now? What, what, what is, how, how is this even possible? But you've got to see here that Jesus sent them and let them be in the storm for a while. He let them stay in the storm for a while. He didn't come at the first watch, second watch. He didn't, he, it took all to the fourth watch. The fourth watch was when the sun started to rise. They were all night. They were fighting this thing all night. And wow, he shows up walking on the water. And it startles them. It, it shocks them. They think he's a ghost. You know, they just saw the most ama amazing miracle, you know, feeding of the thousands. We have to be careful because when we're reading the Bible, we, read, we think miracles took place like in the time frame it took us to read the section. So we read that little section. He fed the 5,000. It took us about two minutes to read it. And we think, well, everybody got fed in two minutes. No, this was an all-day affair. If they're feeding just 5,000, let alone 15,000, the disciples all day were going back to Jesus, getting more, distributing it, going back to Jesus. All day they were doing that. All day God was miraculously multiplying that kid's little lunch. And they watched it. It was just like, so for Jesus to walk on the water would not be so surprising to men of faith 
But like Peter, you see, they wrestled with doubt because that's what a storm will do to you. It'll cause so much doubt in you. A young man came up after service yesterday and it was just beating himself up for the doubts that he faces. And I looked him in the eye and I said, doubting is normal. The key is how do you respond to it? Will you choose to trust or will you choose to walk away? So why did he wait, make them wait? I mean, he sent them in, building their faith, but why did he make them wait? You might be here today asking, why is the trial so long, man? It seems like it's never going to end. Why would God have them wait? Well, well, in waiting, he was drawing out from them that desire to invite Jesus into the boat. I mean, they needed to become desperate. That They needed to be in a place where they invited him in. You know, God will not force himself upon you. God will not force himself into your life. God will not force himself into your difficulty. God will not force himself. If you, you aren't asking for his help, if you don't want his help, it's available to you, but he won't force it on you. He's not going to impose himself upon you. He's not going to physically change your will against your will. He's going to respect that in you. And he was allowing this time so that you might invite him in. All the while, come in. You know, Peter's so excited, he's going to go out. But ultimately, all the disciples said, come in. It was just like, you can jot it down in Luke chapter 24, you've got those two men. It says the Bible, they were on the road to the city of Emmaus. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ had just taken place. The worst day of their lives. The most emotional worst day of their life. So they're just going home. They're going back to Emmaus. And on the road, the Bible says they're talking and they're, they're going through it. And it says that they're sad or bummed out. I get the picture of they're just kind of kicking cans and they're just like, man, all my hope is lost. And what does the Bible say? The Bible shows that Jesus came to them and started talking to them. Now he knows they're sad and he has the answer for them, but he doesn't give it to them right away. He walks with them for a while and talks a little bit. Hey, why are you guys sad? And why are you going through that? I mean, he already knows what he's going to say. But he doesn't share with them immediately. But he keeps walking down the road. And then finally, their eyes open. They see it's Jesus. They're excited and it's wonderful. And through the process, he brought them from sadness to begging him. They begged Jesus to stay at their house. They begged him. They invited him in. Once they realized who he was, they invited him in. And through the process of your life right now, God is saying, invite me in. Stop playing at church and stop being religious. What, I mean, you could even put it this way. What's it going to take for you to finally surrender your life to Jesus Christ? What's it going to take for you finally to pray with your wife? What's it going to take for you finally to submit to your husband? What's it going to take for you finally to disciple your kids? What's it going to take? And so you go through it, and you go through it until finally you get to the place where you realize some of you I know are here today. You haven't been in church in forever, and you're here today because a storm has come into your life. Your world was rocked. As I shared earlier, I was in California last week, and I shared with the men at Calvary Chapel Rancho Cucamonga. That's just a neat thing to say, Cucamonga. 
And I went and prepared a message. My friend Tony oversees the men's ministry there. Tony served here many years with his wife, Rosalina, and he invited me to teach. And I had a message on Caleb and finishing well and life's a marathon men and come on. And I thought it went really well, except for five minutes of that message. In the middle of teaching it, I felt impressed. I felt impressed of God to share just five minutes on the topic of PTSD, on not being able to sleep at night, on night terrors, and and on just struggling with mental images and just really going through it. And I also tied all that together with the Las Vegas tragedy that recently happened. And I wasn't even sure why I didn't, it didn't really fit with the theme of the message other than it was a little bit of a trial, but I didn't know why. And I I finished that little excursion and came back and finished the Bible study, gave an invitation. Nobody responded to the invitation, but the seeds were planted and it was an encouraging time. And after the study, as it normal is, I was hanging around and men were coming up. They were responding to the message, asking questions. And then I met a man, almost the last guy to talk to. His name was Reggie. So I want you to write down Reggie and I want you to pray for him and everybody like him. Because Reggie came up with tears in his eyes, a man of about 50 years old, maybe uh, 40 or 50, I don't, don't recall and I didn't ask. And he came up with tears and he said, I, I just want you to know that I was there in Las Vegas. I was there. I heard the bullets go over my head and I watched people fall dead on either side of me as I was rescuing my wife to get out of that concert venue. And as he began to share his story, he said, you know, me and my wife, we went to that concert, not as a married couple, but as friends. I mean, we're still married, but we're getting a divorce. And I decided to take my wife to uh, this country music thing, because we both like country music, which by the way, I I asked him why, but no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. (laughs) I did afterwards, because you got to laugh in difficult things. So I did afterwards, but he says, hey, uh, you know, we, something we share in common. I was just hoping if I took her on a date, some spark would be uh, inflamed and we would get back together and start moving away from divorce. And so we went to the concert and we had a great, we had a good time. We went all the way to the last night and then tragedy struck. And immediately I went into safe mode and I got my wife out and Lord spared my life. And because of Las Vegas, he said, I'm not able to sleep at night and I'm going through all sorts of things and he began to share. But he also said, because of that tragedy and because of going through that with my wife together, we are on the road to recovering our marriage and we're no longer getting a divorce. Number one. That's not all. That's not all. He also said, you know, Ed, I also want you to know that I'm here. My dad has been inviting me to church for years and years and years. And this men's ministry thing is the first time I've been in church in years. Like this trial has brought me back to church. And then while I'm talking to Reggie there, I'm just so encouraged and we got tears together and he's there. A bigger version of Reggie starts walking up. It's Reggie Sr. It's his dad. And so he comes up and we begin the triangle conversation. I just look at him. Isn't it so great? God brings prodigals home. God saved your son's life. He's resting. And we're just rejoicing in the Lord. And we left with great joy and got him connected to get some help. And, and it was just a glorious thing. You would never think. I mean, he's got a long road on every facet. He's got a long road ahead of him. But God used that storm to do immediately what hasn't been happening for years. So I go from Cucamonga to Downey on Sunday. Calvary Chapel in Downey, California is my home church where I got saved. 
Uh, it's my home church. So Pastor Jeff is in Israel, and when he found out I was in town, he said, hey, can you stay another day and teach for me? I said, of course. And so we rearranged everything, and I was there, and I taught another different message, completely different, but I really felt like I needed to share Reggie's story uh, in that. So on first service, I wove it in somehow, and I shared the story, and it was great, and it was affirming, and God's glory was there. Second service, I forgot. I forgot, because it wasn't in my notes. I forgot about Reggie's story until the end, just like right now, till the end. I didn't forget today, but it's at the end of service, and I look up at the clock, and I'm like, oh man, I don't have time, and, and so, but then I thought, well, you know, Pastor Jeff is in Israel, so he won't really know for a couple weeks if I go a little over, and, and you know, and, and you would be surprised. You would be surprised what goes on in my mind up here, because there's a clock. If you guys want to turn around, I see that clock all the time. I don't pay much attention to it, but I see it all the time, because I know what time it is, and I want to be on time. The kids are down there, but I got all this going on. I got to share Reggie's story, so I share it. Just like here, I shared it. There's affirmation. We're joyful. It gives us hope for the prodigals. It gives us hope for our mind. It gives us hope that God can do a work. It's an amazing, great story. So after service, like here at Calvary, um, we, we talk to people. Pastors are up here. But there, um, what, what Pastor Jeff prefers that we do is that during the last song, we walk down and go all the way down the aisle, and then we greet people in the foyer, foyer as people coming out because the foyer is huge there. It has a lot of room, and it's easier for them to do it there. So, so I, in the middle of the song, I walk out. I go out there. A lot of friends came to visit. It was a long day. I mean, probably it was people were waiting for me to go to lunch, and finally a couple walks up. They both have tears in their eyes. And they come up, and they come up a little bit timid, and I can see that they really, they want to share something with me, but it's going to be hard for them. And so I do my best to calm the atmosphere, and it's going to be okay. Just go ahead, and, and that's how I'll be with you. If you have something hard to share, I'll just say, just share it. Just share it. Just don't even think about it. Just share what's on your mind right now, and everything's going to be, so that's what I did. I said, just share whatever's, and they, they, the, the, the wife said, Reggie and his wife, that's our story. The same thing happened to them at the same concert. Marriage in the rocks. They go as friends. They make it to the very end. They have the same experience. And what does God do? That, I think that, was the, that Sunday was their second week back in church because of that trial, back seeking the Lord, back moving toward the Lord. Maybe that's you. And it, you're, you don't want to be here. You don't like church. You don't like religion. You don't like all. Hey, listen, listen. Your hope is not found in a church. Your hope is not found in religion. But your hope is found in Jesus Christ. But you have to invite him in. Can't force him on you. We, we can't, God's not going to force himself upon you. You have to invite him in. And is it possible? Would you please consider that the difficulty of your life, what we've termed a storm today, is actually God wanting to get your attention so your son or daughter will come home and just get your life right. You see the way the world's going right now. You see the craziness. You know how. There was a young couple right after first service. That's exactly what's happening in their life. Exactly. They've only been in church now for the last three weeks after a great, crazy thing happened in their life that they need to face and that they need to walk through. Listen, if you want to stay in your, if you're in your self-imposed storm, you can. And if you want to stay in the lifestyle that you've chosen, you can. And if you want to reap the consequences of your own sin and not be forgiven of them, you can. If you want to go to hell 
and spend eternity away from God. You can, but that's not God's heart for you. God's desire for you is not for you to live separate from him, not to destroy your life, not to do your own thing. He loves you so much that he poured out his judgment upon his son, Jesus Christ. He hung on a cross, was buried in a tomb, and rose again the third day so that your life will be made right with your creator. If you want to continue to have a marriage that's upside down and you men don't want to respect your wives and you wives don't want to, you can, but that's not God's heart for you. If you want to keep running to the bottle and thinking that's going to help you, you can, but that's not God's heart for you. If you want to find yourself in bondage and anger and bitterness and resentment, you can, but it's not God's heart for you. You see, storms come to all of our lives. We're either in one right now, we're just coming out of one, or one's right up ahead, but they come to all of us. And there is a heaven and hell. There is. You may think you're, you're okay, but outside of Jesus, you're not. You've sinned. You've broken God's commandments. You're living separate from him, and there's nothing you can do on your own. You must call upon God to ask him to forgive you of your sins. He alone forgives. Maybe the reason you're here today or listening to this message is because of the storm, and it's gotten your attention, and now it's time to act. Because storms bring us to a place of decision, and yes, Sometimes Jesus sends us into a storm and he uses every single one of them. And so, Father, as we find ourselves in a place of submission to you today, we pray that whatever we're going through, whatever we're facing, that you would have your way with us and that today would be the day of great outpouring of your spirit, a spirit of love, a spirit of comfort, a spirit of encouragement. I pray, God, that you would just Man, people would just be getting serious with you once and for all, even in the hurt and even in the pain. Because you're the great healer. You're declared to us in the Bible as Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Jesus, you said yourself that you came into this world to heal and to set people free and to give people sight and to minister and serve the brokenhearted. Would you do that among us today? You're listening to Abounding Grace with Ed Taylor and part of a series of studies called Help for the Troubled Heart. Ed, as you were sharing Reggie's story and the story of a couple that went through the same, I couldn't help but think maybe there's someone listening right now that identifies on some level with that experience. What would you say to them as we close? One of the things I'd say right away is, man, there is hope in the Lord. As bad as things might seem, maybe that relationship seems like it'll never be reconciled, that marriage will never be fixed, uh, that, that your answers are somewhere outside of the God who loves you or a fellowship community of believers. But I'm telling you, God is ready to minister to you in the instant that you turn back to him in the instant you submit your life to him in the instant you repent of your sins in the instant you finally accept that invitation from your dad or from your mom to come to church with them in the instant you turn toward God the Bible says if we draw near to him he'll draw near to us now I don't know how God is going to work in your life and I don't know what the solution might be and I don't know exactly if God is going to reconcile that relationship. But I'll tell you what he will do. He will love on you. 
serve you and encourage you. So come on back. Come on back and allow God to work in your life. Friend, if the Lord spoke to you or ministered to you through today's message, we'd love to hear your story. So please email that to us today as we want to pray for you. Email us at prayer at calvaryaurora.org. When our heart is troubled, we may wonder where to turn. And the Lord in His Word has the help and encouragement we need for those seasons of life. Visit our website at helpforthetroubledheart.com and find resources that can bless your life and help you gain and maintain the right perspective. Again, that's helpforthetroubledheart.com. I'm happy to say this entire series, Help for the Troubled Heart, is available to you on a customized USB thumb drive. We're making it available to our listeners for a limited time for a donation of $25 or more. Maybe you can think of someone you'd like to give this to. Order it today by calling 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. And if you'd like to stand with us here at Abounding Grace through your prayers and financial support, that would be a huge blessing. It's your support that allows us to bring these daily studies to this station. Either call 877-30-GRACE or donate online at calvaryaurora.org. Listen to Pastor Ed through your mobile device through the Calvary Aurora app. We'd also suggest the Grace FM Colorado app. Next time on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor will continue our series, Help for the Troubled Heart. Invite a friend to listen who could use a little encouragement as well. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Chapel, Aurora. 